Hi there. Welcome to the Branch Life Podcast. We're so happy that you tuned in. Please join us today as we continue our series through the book of Matthew. Hey, welcome to Branch Life Church. My name is Josh. I'm one of the pastors here at Branch Life, and we're so glad that you've tuned in. This is a special episode. It's our series finale of our Follow the Leader series. And if you've been a part of this series through this entire time, we hope it's been a blessing to you. You're going to want to see how we wrap things up today, and it's going to be special. If you're joining us for the first time, we want to say welcome And this will be an encouragement to you. And when you want to, you can go back and see all the episodes in this special Follow the Leader series as we travel through the book of Matthew. Here at Branch Life Church, we believe that we are better together. And it's so awesome that we're together in this way during this time. We hope that someday you'll be able to connect with us in person. And until that time, we want to encourage you to engage on the platform you're on. Say hi to our host. Leave us a message if you're watching the pre-recording or at a later date. Make sure to fill out that connection card that's available to you online in the chat uh, of the platform you're on. Or you can go to branchlife.church and you can fill the connection card in there. In that card, you can let us know how you're doing, how we can pray for you, how God is speaking to you. And uh, we'd love to connect with you in this way so that we can be better together. Hey, we just had someone fill out a connection card all the way from Japan in the last couple of weeks, and they're excited to continue their spiritual journey with Branch Life Church uh, during these digital worship times. So thank you so much for joining us. If you'd like to make giving a part of your worship experience, you can do that at any time at branchlife.church slash give. We're building up to September 12th, which is going to be our campus's grand opening in Pewtown. So be praying for that. And if you're local, we'd love for you to join us if you're ready in person that particular Sunday as we celebrate the opening of our Pewtown campus, our first location for Branch Life Church. We'd love to send you a journal if it's your first time, our Matthew journal as we're traveling through Matthew this year. You can let us know that you're interested in that journal when you fill out your connection card. Thanks for joining us today. We hope that this series finale of the Follow the Leader uh, teaching series will be an encouragement to you. Grab your journals, grab your Bibles. We're going to dive right in. Well, a couple of months ago, we started in this series that we call Follow the Leader. If you remember when we opened the series, we talked to you about the elephant. And how fascinating it is that elephants follow the oldest matriarch. And because they follow her, their lives are better. Man, they, they're not only able just to survive. She protects them. The herd gives them strength. They're better together. They are able to thrive and have fun and enjoy the life journey that they're on. Just like these elephants are better together, we believe that we are better together when we follow Jesus. And over the course of this study, we've looked at what it means to follow Jesus, how to make him your leader, how he helps you survive, and how he helps you to thrive. We have looked at stories of all kinds of people and things that decided to follow Jesus, and how that made a huge difference in their lives, and how that can make a difference in your life and in my life today. 
You know, we're going to wrap up this series in this, in this moment. We're going to see one more story. We're going to see the story of John the Baptist, which is fascinating to, to see Matthew use this story as his closing story in this section of the Bible. And, and this story, again, is going to challenge us with some incredible thoughts. And here's the challenge today. You have a choice before you. We like to say here at Branch Life Church that life is choices. As a matter of fact, research tells us that we make about 35,000 choices a day. We live by choices. It starts in the morning, whether I choose to hit the snooze or not. It starts uh, with my hygiene, whether I choose to shower, or whether I choose to brush my teeth or comb my hair. What outfit am I going to wear? What am I going to eat for breakfast? What am I going to eat for lunch? What time am I going to eat? How am I going to deal with my kids? Right? We make these choices all the time. And so what Matthew is laying out before us is the ultimate choice. The most important choice that we can make, not just for our lives, but for our every day. It's a choice when we follow Jesus. It's a choice that we, we lay our lives on the line for. But it's also a choice that we have to come back to on a regular basis. I, I know for me, one of the big choices in my life was to, to improve my physical health. And for me, I, I had a lot of weight to lose. And it's my two-year anniversary of hitting my 50 pounds down mark. I'm really excited about that. And in order to accomplish that feat, I remember that there was one big choice that God helped me to make. But it was followed by thousands of choices every day between that one big choice and now. Following Jesus is very much the same way. There's one big choice that we make to follow Jesus. Where I'm, I'm going to be saved, I'm, I'm going to be baptized, I'm going to be all in, I'm, I'm giving my life to God. And there's still thousands of choices that we make every day to remind ourselves and to re-choose following Jesus. And that's what this story is going to show us. That's what all of these stories are trying to show us, that we have this choice. So let's dive into Matthew chapter 11. If you have your journals... Uh, you're going to start on page 56. If you're using your Bibles, just jump to Matthew chapter 11. And we're going to go through this entire chapter today as we look at this quickly study together. And then we're going to end with an amazing story that you're not going to want to miss. Here's the kind of opening or the outline for 11. So if you want chapter 11 in one big shot, it's encouraging us to choose Jesus, right? That's the whole idea. Join the crowd, follow Jesus. We want to choose Jesus. Well, what is the choice to follow Jesus really mean? Well, Matthew's going to say in this chapter that in Matthew chapter 11, when we choose Jesus, we choose faith over fear. I mean, that's massively important. We're going to see that in this first section. Secondly, we choose great over good when we choose Jesus. Third, we choose heaven over hell. I know a lot of people have questions about that. We're going to answer some of those questions in that section. And then fourth, we choose rest over stress. We're going to ask the question, are you tired? So, are you tired? I'd be shocked if you weren't. How do we deal with being tired? How do we deal with stress? Well, Jesus promises us rest. This is one of the most famous verses in all the Bible, and we're going to see it unpacked today together. This is exciting stuff. Man, faith over fear, greatness over good, heaven over hell, rest over stress. Let's dive in together. If you have your Bibles, go to Matthew chapter 1. We're going to start in verse 1. And here's how this section of the, ver of the Bible opens. In Matthew chapter 11, it says, When Jesus had finished instructing his 12 disciples. Remember last week and the week before, we told you the story of the 12. 
And then the week before that, we told you Matthew's story, a swindler saved by grace, right, who changed the world. Twelve average Joes saved by grace who changed the world. You can do it too. Now, Matthew chapter 11, it says, when Jesus had finished instructing his disciples, he went from there to teach and preach in their cities. Remember that. That's going to come up in a second. Now, when John heard in prison about the deeds of Christ, he sent word by his disciples and said to him, are you the one who is to come or should we look for another? This is crazy, right? So this John is John the Baptist. Remember in the beginning of Matthew, when Jesus just got started with his ministry, people were flooding into the wilderness to see John the Baptist. He was dressed in, in uh, animal's clothing. His hair was a mess. He was eating locusts, right? He was this character who was proclaiming, warning of danger, of hellfire. And he was saying about the coming Messiah and that you need to repent, be baptized. And then Jesus came and John said about Jesus, hey, look, this is the Lamb of God who's come to save the world. And Jesus came in and, and said, John, will you baptize me? And John's like, no, I can't baptize you. And Jesus is like, yes, you can. Please do it. And, and G John baptizes Jesus. Remember, they grew up together. Now, they went their separate ways. And, and months to years after this happened, John had been thrown into prison. He was persecuted for his faith. The religious leaders wanted to shut him up. And so they put him into prison. John had disciples, students that were following him, that were listening as he was talking about the coming Messiah. John had been watching Jesus' ministry. He had heard about the Sermon on the Mount and this radical teaching. He had heard about the miracles that Jesus was doing. And John was not satisfied. That's crazy, right? He wasn't satisfied. John was there. He saw, heard the voice from heaven say, this is my son who I'm well pleased. He heard and saw the dove land on Jesus. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit were all in one place. John saw all of that, yet he doubted whether Jesus was actually the Messiah. Here's why he doubted. Most likely, Jesus talked too much about love. John was all about warning and wrath. And he was talking about how God was going to come and punish sinners. And that's true. And God does punish sinners. And we're going to see that in a little bit. Then Matthew came and he said, uh, or, or Jesus came. And Matthew records for us, love the Lord to God with all your heart. Love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus was hanging out with sinners. He was eating with the lowest of the low. Matthew being the proof of that, right? He was, he was telling them to come. He was inviting them into a relationship with Jesus. And, and John was like, where's the, where's the anger? Where's the wrath? Are you sure you're the God that's going to bring the day of judgment that was talked about so much in the Bible? An honest question. And so John sends out his disciples to Jesus because he's in jail. To ask him, you know, all right, man, I'm pretty sure you're the one, but are you the one? I'm pretty sure I'm all in, but are you? I just, I want to make sure, right, that this is the legit, right, that I'm, I'm, I'm choosing to join the crowd and follow Jesus. That's when Jesus answers with this famous verse, right? He goes into this next section, and so the next verse, he says to those disciples, he says, go and tell John the Baptist what you hear and what you see. In other words, he's asking these people to go back to John and say, you've heard me in the Sermon on the Mount. You've heard my teachings. You've heard me proclaim, blessed are the poor in spirit, blessed are the peacemakers. You've heard me say, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. You've heard me say to even, uh, to, uh, 
murder is a sin, but so is hating your brother. I'm not come to banish the law, but fulfill the law. We're the salt and light. You've heard these things. Tell John that. Second, tell John what you see. Tell John about these miracles, that the blind receive their sight. We looked at that in, in our stories. Tell John that the lame have been made to walk. Tell John that the lepers have been cleansed. Tell John that the deaf hear. And tell John that the dead are raised to life. Tell him that you've seen these things with your own eyes. These miracles that prove that I, Jesus, am the Messiah. That I am the Son of God. This is the evidence. This is what you need to weigh your choice on. Am I or am I not God's Son sent here to save the world? Tell them that the poor have heard the good news preached to them. That Jesus has come. The Messiah is here. Your sins can be forgiven. He will die, but he will raise again from the dead. What he's asking John to do is he's asking John to choose faith over fear. And here's the incredible thing about choosing Jesus. When you choose Jesus, you choose faith. Now, so many people think that faith is blind. That we just kind of hope that it's true. That we cross our fingers and we step out into the unknown and we wait to maybe someday when we die figure out if it was true or if it wasn't true. Here's the incredible thing about faith in Jesus. Faith in Jesus is not blind. We don't have a blind faith when it comes to Jesus. We have a faith that is based on what has been heard and on what has been seen. The dead raised Jesus himself raised from the dead. Hundreds have seen him alive. Hundreds saw him die, right? We have this faith that is logical, that's rational, that can be defended, that makes sense. Ask questions, deconstruct it, try to understand it because when truth is truth, it stands the test of time. It stands the tests of questions. It stands the test of experience. We have truth. And that truth leads us to this incredibly strong faith that we don't have to fear the things of this world. We don't have to fear death. We don't have to fear the unknown. We don't have to fear man who can kill the body. That's what we talked all about last week. But we can have this confidence in God to have faith. You see, when we have faith, we see God in a lot of different ways. You know, I wish all of our experiences were like the experience of Paul, Saul who turned into Paul, who wrote the rest of the New Testament. Paul was against Jesus, and he was walking on the road of Damascus, and this bright light came, and it blinded him, right? He was like, I can't see, I can't see. And Jesus Christ, who had already ascended in heaven, came back to earth and appeared before Saul, who would become Paul, and he said, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? And then Saul believed. He saw Jesus. He saw he was really God. He came back, and he showed up. I wish Jesus would show up that way. I wish he would stand here right now in front of you and say, I'm real, I'm God, and I'm, I'm, I'm proving it by showing up. And a lot of us wish he would just show up. Now, he is going to show up someday. He is going to stand here, but he doesn't need to prove that he is God by showing up in person today. He's already proven it. We've already seen him. 
actually, we see God every day in nature. He shows himself in some re- real ways. Man, watch these sunsets that are happening over the last course of these weeks. They're beautiful here in eastern Pennsylvania. I look at those sunsets, I see this incredible idea of galaxies and planets, and I think there's got to be a great God. I see the intricacies of the beauty of what's right in front of me, how all of these things come together for us to breathe and exist and to think and to see and to feel and to love. And I see God in all of those things. Paul's going to say, and Peter's going to say, that the evidence of God is plain for anyone to see. But that we suppress the truth. So we see God in nature. But we also see God in Scripture. We see God's voice. We see his words. We, we hear him speak to us through the power of this book. It's why we study it all the time. It's why you should be listening on a regular basis to God's teaching and the proclamation of his word. When Jesus, when God planted the church and he sent everybody out, he said, preach the word. That's a big deal. But we also see God in our hearts and in our lives. I see God every day in blessing, in, 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 in my experiences, in, in answered prayer. I see God do things in my life. And the question is not whether or not God is there. It's whether or not you see him there. Open your eyes. The Bible says, be still and know he is God. You can see God in nature. You can see God in scripture. You can see God in your daily life. And without a shadow of a doubt, you can know that Jesus is God's son. You can know that he's come to save you. That's what strength we get from this faith. I was just talking to Chris who got back from Kosovo on a missions project. And he was telling me about seeing God on a regular basis. And they had worked for several weeks to set up this kids camp that was outside in a particularly poor part of Kosovo. But when they were getting ready to go, the day before, they looked at the weather report and it was calling for days of rain. What are we going to do if it rains, Chris asked. And, and you know what the plan B was? Pray that it doesn't rain. So every morning they got up to travel to this area in Kosovo to put on this kids camp. And before they left, they would gather together with their team and they would pray. They would be praying, and while they were praying, it'd be raining. they drive to the city, this location, rain the whole way. Pray, God, that it stops the rain. They would get out of their buses to set up the camp, and the rain would stop. They would do camp for the day, and then they would pack everything up, and they would get in their bus, and it would start raining again. Pretty crazy if that happened one day, but that just didn't happen one day. That happened two days. That just didn't happen two days. That happened three days. That just didn't happen three days. It happened four days in a row. Got there, the rain stopped. Left, and the rain started again. He saw God. He saw God in everyday life. When you have faith, when you see God, man, does that conquer fears. What are we going to do? What are we going to do if the storm comes? What are we going to do if if we don't know? Remember what Jesus said to Peter when he got out on the water and he started sinking and and they were like, what are we going to do? Remember all the disciples in the boat when the storm was there. God, God, wake up. We don't know what to do. Jesus, save us. And Jesus looked at them and said, oh, you of little faith. When we choose Jesus, we choose faith over fear. John the Baptist didn't have to fear death because he put his faith in Jesus. And he would experience that in just the next couple of months. So why doubt? Why doubt if you see Jesus in nature, if you see Jesus in scripture, if you see Jesus in everyday life? Are you doubting 
God, are you doubting Jesus' reality? What I want you to do in this series, in this teaching, is to be still and know he's there. Whether you've been saved for a long time and you're just not sure if you're all in, whether you're investigating faith for the first time, when you choose Jesus, you choose faith. And you choose faith over fear. No need to doubt. Jesus says later in this verse, in, in this chapter, which is an incredible thought, explaining John's wrestling, right? And how John was challenged as a prophet and how Jesus was challenged as a prophet. He said, you'll know, wisdom knows because of their deeds. Wisdom is justified by their deeds. You look at these works, you look at this evidence, you look at this fruit, and you have to know that Jesus is God. What's the evidence that Christianity is true? What's the evidence that Jesus is real? What's the evidence that that the church is God's people on mission? So many people will point to Christianity and say, they caused wars, they've caused problems, they've caused heartache and shame. Hey, there are bad apples in every organization. There's bad apples that might call themselves Jesus. But those true followers of Jesus, those true followers of Jesus, you can know by their deeds. And Christianity and true followers of Jesus are are responsible for far more good in this world than bad. I mean, higher education, so many organizations and universities were started by people who believed in Jesus as God. Hospitals, not only here but around the world, are started by Christians who have a deep faith in God. Ministries and nonprofits and food organizations all here around the world. Missions work that go into disaster zones to save people. Food feeding programs happening during this pandemic. So many of them were led by people of deep, deep faith. Wisdom is justified by your deeds. Our faith in Jesus is not blind. Secondly, in this chapter, we see that when you choose Jesus, you choose great over good. In, in, the, in the rest of these verses, we get down to Matthew chapter 7 through 15. And he starts talking about John the Baptist. And he says, listen, you, you, why did you go out to see John the Baptist in the wilderness? Because of his clothes? Because of his, of his show that he was putting on? Did you go out because he was a prophet and he was saying some incredible things? Yeah, that's why you went out. And John the Baptist was good. John the Baptist had a good message. John the Baptist was a famous person in this world. And people were flooding out to see him. So famous that the other people wanted to get rid of him. He was stealing their thunder. And then he said this about John the Baptist. Truly I say to you, among those born of women, there has arisen no one greater than John the Baptist. As far as people go... As far as celebrities go, John the Baptist is the greatest. He's the greatest that this world has to offer. Born of a woman, right? He's a good, good guy. We all look up to John the Baptist, and rightfully so. But here's what Jesus is going to say. Man, this is mind-blowing stuff. He says, yet the one who is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he The one who is least in the kingdom of heaven, when you put your faith and trust in Jesus, when you become a follower of Jesus and you join the kingdom of heaven, you become a prince and princess of the king. And you are now greater than anything that this world has to offer. John, in a human sense, was a good guy. But when you enter the kingdom of heaven, you're greater than any good guy. Here's a powerful truth that you need to see. The least in the kingdom is greater than the good in this world. The least in this kingdom is greater than the good in this world. The best this world has to offer is nothing compared to the least in the kingdom of God. 
When you choose to follow Jesus, you choose to become a part of the kingdom. Remember the message the disciples are sent out with is repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. In other words, stop following this world, yourself and your sin, but repent and turn direction and start following the king Jesus. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. So here's the question, who has your sword? Who has your sword? Back in medieval times, when the knight wanted to surrender allegiance to the king, he took out his sword from his sheath. He bowed down on one knee and planted his sword in front of him and surrendered his sword and declared his allegiance. That ceremony, that bending of a knee and bowing to the authority would then symbolize that the sword in that knight's hands was the property of the king or the Lord he was swearing to. Does God in heaven through Jesus, have your sword. If he does, you'll serve him. He'll be what your life is about. He'll direct your life. You will have your strength and energy and effort to build the kingdom of God. If God has your sword, you will live for him. You'll give your life. You will, you will declare in the morning when you wake that you are the Lord God's. You will, you will in the afternoon recognize that the Lord is in charge of that day and that moment. As you put your head to bed at night, you will be a property of the king. That day will be for the Lord, and so will the next day. Your life will be dedicated to the purpose and the glory of that king. If God has your sword, you will die for that king. You will lay your life on the line to protect, to build up on to advance the agenda of the king and to defend him. But who has your sword? Who do you serve with your time? Who do you think about during your day? And who would you give your life for? If it's anything else than the king, then it might be good, but it's not great. Just don't let the good things of this world cause you to abandon the great things of the kingdom. That's what is at choice when you choose God. Secondly, the third thing, when you choose God, you choose heaven over hell. Here's a big idea that we say all the time at Branch Life Church. Everybody is going to spend eternity somewhere. Now there's a fascinating passage, part of Matthew chapter 11, getting around verses 20 through 24, where Jesus starts naming cities. And he starts saying woe to this city and that city. And the cities that he is naming are the cities that the disciples came from or that they ministered in. You see, they were traveling around from city to city. And in different cities, Jesus did different miracles to prove that he was God. Go tell them what you've heard and what you've seen. He'd preach the Sermon on the Mount. He'd teach at the synagogues. He would heal a blind person. He'd make the deaf be able to see. He'd he'd heal leprosy. He'd even raise people from the dead. But in some of those cities, Jesus and his disciples were rejected. They were ran out. It's interesting that Jesus wasn't just thinking about one person. He was often thinking about entire cities when it came to revival, when it came to repentance, when it came to following the king. Remember Jonah in the story of Nineveh? He wanted the whole city to repent, not just one person. Now these cities as a whole rejected God. And here's something fascinating that he says. He says about this last city, and you Capernaum, and he names Capernaum, will be exalted, will you be exalted to heaven? Will you be brought down to Hades? 
For if the mighty works done in you had been done in Sodom, it would have remained until this day. But I tell you that it will be more tolerable on the day of judgment for the land of Sodom than for you. He's asking Capernaum, he's saying, listen, you have a choice. Are you going to go to heaven? Are you going to be a part of Hades? And Capernaum had rejected Jesus and sent him away. They rejected the disciples. Now, here's what's incredible about Capernaum. Capernaum was that place where Peter's mother-in-law was healed, and the whole town knew about it. Capernaum was the place where the lame guy was lowered in the roof, right, down to where Jesus was teaching, and Jesus caused him to walk, and he got up, and he took his bed, and he walked home. Capernaum was Matthew's hometown. They saw a tax collector who decided to become a follower of Jesus, yet they, as a town, rejected Jesus. And Jesus says, Capernaum, it's going to be better for Sodom on the day of judgment than for you. Now, Sodom and Gomorrah is an Old Testament town where Lot's wife had, had been turned into a pillar of salt, where that town was into all kinds of evil, disgusting, horrible things. And the city of Sodom and Gomorrah received fire from God from heaven in destruction. He was really upset at Sodom and Gomorrah. And he says to them, it's going to be better for Sodom than for you in the day of judgment. Here's a crazy thing. There's a day of judgment coming. God is the judge. He's going to judge our works. He's going, to, he's going to declare the rightful location for our soul. And all of your deeds will be laid before the Lord. But listen, it's not your good deeds versus your bad deeds that God's going to judge. It's going to be your decision to follow Jesus or not to follow Jesus. If you follow Jesus, your bad deeds are washed away. Your sins are forgiven. But if you do not follow Jesus, the wrath of God is poured out on you, a sinner. Beware of the wrath of God, O sinner. And you have been warned. In this moment, you have been warned that everyone will spend eternity somewhere. And when you choose Jesus, you choose heaven over hell, heaven over Hades, eternity with God or eternity separated from God in the lake of fire. New heaven, new earth, or eternal damnation and destruction. That's the warning that Jesus is giving. And he says in this moment, Join the crowd and follow Jesus. Go the narrow way and be a part of following God so that you can avoid judgment on the judgment day. There's something crazy about the scenario that's going on behind me. Apparently, a shark was sighted in these waters, and apparently, this happens enough that you can take a sign and stake it in the sand that says, hey, today we saw a shark right out there. Now, this lady, this lady is thinking about going in the water like there's a choice. Is she actually going to, oh, you know what? They saw a shark today, and I think I'm just going to go for a 10-minute swim instead of a 20-minute swim. Maybe I'll float a little less this time, or maybe the shark has swum away. She's getting ready to go in. What kind of foolishness is it to go into a man-eating shark's backyard knowing that he was just there? And putting your life on the line. Leaving it to that kind of chance. Listen, always consider the warning. And Jesus is warning us and he warns us over and over again about our eternity. And here's the question, are you in danger? Everyone, everyone is in danger of judgment day. And we all have to heed this warning and say, hey, 
I've got I've to listen to the signs. I've got to understand the message. I've got to get myself out of danger's way. And thankfully, God sent his son to die on the cross for you. That whoever believes in him will not perish, but have everlasting life. And if you put your faith and, just, uh, faith and trust in Jesus, you no longer have to worry about your soul. You no longer have to worry about what man can do to your body. Because like we said last week, God will provide the protection that you need for this life and for life eternal if you just put your faith and trust in Jesus. And if you have put your faith and trust in Jesus, what danger are you in? Where do you fear? Remember, we choose faith over fear. And the last thing that we'll learn in this chapter is we choose rest over stress. We choose rest over stress. In this rich, rich, famous section of God's word, hear these instructions. Come to me. Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lonely in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Man, when we look at this invitation, Jesus says, come, follow me. And when you follow me, I will give you rest. And this is a rest that is only available to those that follow Jesus. This is true rest that only comes as a part of the kingdom of God. This is rest that has faith over fear, that has greatness over goodness. This is rest that knows your eternal soul is in heaven. This is rest during the storm. This is rest during trouble. This is rest at night. This is rest during the day. Listen to this. There is an exhausting life ahead of you without Jesus. Life is exhausting without Jesus. Let me just ask you for a moment. Are you tired? Raise your hand if you're tired. Even if you're all by yourself at a cafe, if you're listening in the car to the podcast, if if you're all by yourself in the living room or with your family, are you tired? Raise your hand if you're tired. Most of us are tired right now in 2021. We're exhausted. We have life on top of life on top of a pandemic. We've got to try to figure out and re-pivot every day. Leaders are tired. Nurses are tired. Parents are tired. Principals are tired. Pastors are tired. We're going around exhausted. But Jesus gives us this, this incredible promise. He says, when you come to me, you will find rest real rest for your souls. If you're like me, when you go on a vacation, you need a vacation from the vacation. When you go for a long drive, you're exhausted after. When you meet with people, it's tiring. When you take a nap, all you want is another nap. How do I find real rest for my soul? I find it in one place, and that's Jesus. You see, Jesus gives daily rest In Proverbs chapter 3, verse 24, he says, If you lie down, you will not be afraid. When you lie down, your sleep will be sweet if Jesus is Lord. In Proverbs chapter 3, verse 26. When he is your Lord, sleep is sweet. And I know this sounds profound, but if you're tired, you need sleep. How can I truly, truly rest? How can I keep the anxiety of this world out of my life? I was just talking to a dear friend of mine who was worried about the results of some, of, of some test or something that was going to happen, and, and they weren't able to sleep. For days, they weren't able to sleep. And I looked at her, and I'm saying, you look tired. She's like, I'm exhausted. Why not? She wasn't sleeping. Why couldn't she sleep? Because she wasn't at rest. God's got this. 
He's got this life and the next. And when he is your Lord, he gives you daily rest. Sometimes eight hours of sleep is the most spiritual thing you can do. And if you can't sleep because of anxiety, for anxiousness, because of worries and concerns, don't reach to alcohol to numb the pain. Don't reach to drugs to help you get a full night's sleep. Reach to Jesus. And sometimes when I'm tossing and turning at night, and yes, I toss and turn at night, I have to... I have to discipline my mind and my body to say these words. Dear Jesus, I know you love me and you've got whatever I'm concerned about in your hands. Help me to rest in you. And I can sleep sweetly when I give it over to God. He gives us weekly rest. That's what the Sabbath principle is all about. In the Old Testament, man, they, they hounded on the Sabbath. It was a holy day. It was a Saturday. It was a day of rest. You set it aside for the Lord. It's the fifth commandment. Remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. And in Hebrews chapter 4, it says, there remains then a Sabbath rest. We may not, we may not worship on Saturday because that's no longer our, that's a Sabbath day, but our celebration day is Sunday because that's when Jesus rose from the dead. So the law switched but the principle of Sabbath rest still matters. There remains then a Sabbath rest for people of God. For anyone who enters God's rest also rests from their work just as God did from his. On the seventh day, God himself rested. He wants you to rest and have repeated weekly rest in your rhythms. And when you rest in God, that's a spiritual activity. That's a spiritual action. So daily time with God gives daily rest, weekly time with God where you put work aside and you rest your body and you rest your mind. That's spiritual rest that Jesus gives and then he gives rest for your soul. Come to me and you will find rest for your soul in any season. So are you tired? Do you need rest? Join the crowd. Follow Jesus and he gives you rest for your soul. Walk in a close relationship with him. Lean all in with your faith. Choose faith over fear, gray over good, heaven over hell, and choose rest over stress. Talk to him in these moments. Here's the invitation for this entire series. Choose new life with Jesus today and every day. Make that massively big choice to say, I'm in. I'm a follower of Jesus. I'm going to get saved. Have you ever put your faith and trust in Jesus? Could you tell me about the time that you decided to accept Jesus as your personal Savior? If you have never personally decided to become a follower of Jesus, not a follower of religion, not someone who does good works, none of those things matter when it comes to faith. It all matters if you believe in Jesus or not. Have you said, I believe in Jesus, I confess with my mouth, I believe in my heart that Jesus Christ is Lord. Have you made that decision? If you have not yet made that decision specifically and purposefully, then you can do that right now. You can stop wherever you are and say, dear God, I know I'm a sinner. I believe Jesus died for my sins and he rose again from the dead three days later. I want to accept the free gift of salvation. I, today, become a follower of Jesus. I repent and I want to join the kingdom of heaven. If you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, you will be saved. That's the big one. If you've done that, then get baptized because Jesus says repent and be baptized. And so maybe for you, it's the big decision to be saved. Maybe for you, it's the big decision to actually get baptized and go public with your faith. Don't be ashamed. Don't worry about what other people are going to say. Don't worry about the baptism procedures. We'll take care of all that. Just do it. 
just get baptized. And you can put on your connection card that I'm ready to get baptized. And I don't care if you're in Japan or if, if you're in Florida or if you're in Pottstown, we're going to figure out how to get you baptized. And then third, listen to this. We choose to follow Jesus every day. We choose to follow Jesus every day. You have new life in Jesus today if you choose it. No matter how long you've been saved. No matter how many years ago you got baptized. Are you struggling in your marriage relationships right now? Then choose new life with Jesus. Do marriage Jesus' way. Are you fearful? Are you anxious about a pandemic? Then choose new life with Jesus. Today, put your faith in Jesus. Put greatness in front of good things of this world. Are you, are you freaking out? Are you stressed out? Are you worried? Are you concerned? Have you walked away from God? Then choose to put your new life in Jesus today. And then tomorrow you make it, that choice again. And then you make that choice again the next day. And the next day. And the next day. And the next week. And the next month. And the next year. And we choose new life to Jesus today and every day. One big choice followed by thousands of choices to follow Jesus because life is choices. So join the crowd and follow Jesus. Today, as we celebrate the close of this series, we want to celebrate one of our favorite things at Branch Life Church, and that's baptisms. We love nothing more in the world when people decide to get baptized. And during this series, Cody came forward. He, st- he raised his hand. He said, I'm ready to get baptized. Cody has a Uh, recorded his story for you and re-recorded his baptism so that you can celebrate wherever you are one person who decided to join the crowd and follow Jesus. And as he does that, would you consider your faith? Would you consider letting us know how this series or this message today has encouraged you? Would you go and fill out your connection card before you log off today? And if it's not there in your chat, it's at branchlife.church and you can find this card there. And if you have any questions about your own faith in Jesus, go to the gospel tab the gospel card at branchlife.church, and you can see more information there about what it means to actually become a follower of Jesus. And as we start next time, we're going to start a brand new series here at Branch Life Church. We're launching some incredible things as we get ready to launch our campus. So we're going to talk to you about how, why church matters and the matters of church that make a difference. And we believe that church is one of the most important things in any follower of Jesus's life. So let's lean in as we hear Cody's story, and let's close this series with a celebration of one life changed forever because they decided to join the crowd and follow Jesus. Thanks for being a part of the series. We'll see you next time. Hello, my name is Cody Albright. Um, I live in Morgantown, Pennsylvania. I got saved with my mom when I was a young kid in my bedroom. I was fortunate enough to have two parents that were um, great examples of Christ growing up. I was fortunate enough to grow up in a Christian household. The reason that I got baptized is because I wanted to make a public profession just to show everybody that I want to live my life for God. I waited a little bit long, 30 years to do that, which I wish I would have done it sooner. For those of you that are nervous about doing it, don't be, because it's a lot easier than what you think in front of people. But, uh, yeah. Uh, your testimony in the Lord Jesus Christ and salvation of faith, it's my privilege to baptize you today in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost.